Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the 69th annual Reese's Senior Bowl. This is the first annual Locked On NFL Draft and Draft Dudes podcast combined from the Reese's Senior Bowl. This year, we bring you the best Senior Bowl coverage you've ever seen in your entire life. Also over at NDT Scouting, FanRagSports.com, and PewterReport.com, where Trevor works, obviously, covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, finding out intel on a top five team next year, probably, based on... Wow. Yeah, wow. What do I you mean, think? Explosive offense? I mean, you, you might not be wrong, but wow. Yeah. Year out, calling your shot. Calling your negative Next shot. year's Jacksonville Jaguars going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Wait, like the good Jaguars or the bad Jaguars? The good Jaguars. Okay, the, all right. The, the Blake Bo- Sands Blake Bortle Jaguars. Okay, so they're going to sign Demarcus Lawrence and Ezekiel Anza. Yes. You heard it here first. All the good players. Okay. Yep. Bradley Chubb's also going to fall to seven. For so, sure. All right. For sure. Oh, that's yeah. good. That'll yeah. work. Yeah. That'll work. Absolutely. And uh, they'll be next year. But first, it starts with the, the Senior Bowl and the prospects that they're going to scout there and the prospects they're going to look at there. And we've talked a good bit about the practices and previewing them yesterday and talking about you know where we see certain players you know potentially improving this week or falling off declining guys we think it's standout sleepers let's start with the quarterback discussion because yesterday's practice was very interesting from that perspective baker mayfield arrived in time for practice he and josh allen squaring off and seeing them in the same practice seeing them work with the same players in the same you know system the broncos coaching staff it's a great opportunity to be able to compare these two back-to-back. What were some observations? Joe, we'll start with you. What were some of the observations you had from watching these two quarterbacks go toe-to-toe? Yeah, my immediate takeaway from watching practice yesterday, specifically with Baker Mayfield, is that his velocity is really good. His ability to get zip on the ball and, and carry it all the way through the target without the nose of the ball diving on him at all was pretty impressive. And the sound that it made when he hit the receiver's hands, it lets you know that this guy has the NFL arm needed to make all the Sunday throws. And so uh, that was my immediate takeaway. And I thought as the practice went on, you know, Baker, he had his, his share of ups and downs. 
Um, but uh, he finished strong with two outstanding reps where he just kind of threaded the coverage, worked it over at the top of the second level, threw with great anticipation, and showed you that accuracy that we saw all season long at Oklahoma. So uh, first day in, you got to also keep in mind that he wasn't here yesterday or, or on Monday for the install part of it, so he was basically just kind of shooting from the hip on this practice. And, uh, you know, I take the good with the bad, but the, 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 the uh, zip on the ball and how he finished uh, gives me a lot of excitement for where the rest of the week could go. Yeah, Baker had two spot throws, Joe mentioned, uh, at the end of practice that really just opened your eyes. The first one really w- was a, a, posh, a post shot to Michael Gallup. And when Baker has the ball at the top of his release point, Gallup still has two steps left in his stem and then bangs it inside, mm-hmm. and he puts it right on the hands. Uh, he threaded that over top of, I believe it was Nick DeLuca from North Dakota State, the linebacker sinking in coverage. Uh, really great throw. Looking at Josh, uh, I thought Josh got better as the day went on as well. Uh, Josh was kind of erratic at first, and then once they started throwing some deep out routes, 15-yard outs, you really saw him get comfortable with those routes. So now when we come back to today, I want to watch and see, okay, is he continue to be erratic in other areas while still finding that comfort in that area of the field in those types of throws? Because that may give you some clues into what teams may really gravitate towards him if they, they feel like those throws are the throws that he throws best. I think with Mayfield and Allen both being here, a little contrast from what it was like last year, I, I think they're, they're definitely pushing each other to be better, almost throw for mm-hmm. throw. You know, there was to open up the, uh, the practice – Josh Allen, you know, you're throwing against air. You're just kind of like warming up with your receivers, your tight ends. Josh Allen was cannoning some of these passes and just kind of throwing, showing the, the arm strength that he had, showing the velocity. And I felt like Baker Mayfield on a couple of his reps afterwards was like, all right, I'm going I'm to gun a couple in there too. And right. so he did. And I think that's even going to go all around to we saw a dime pass, you know, later in the practice by Tanner Lee. So it's just like having this group, I think, much different than last year. They're all going to push each other throughout the week to be better, and, and they're going to each have throws um, that are going to kind of wow us, and sure, they might have their mistakes here and there, but this is not something that we had last year. There wasn't this push of the quarterbacks from really either group, and I think that's, um, that's what's going to be good about these next two practices that we have, um, and even in the game, you're going to see them push each other to be, to be better because they are going to go almost rep for rep, right, one right after the other. And if, you know, Baker Mayfield, he's a, he's a prideful guy, he's, and so is Josh Allen. So, like, if he sees one or the other make a great throw, he wants to say, hey, I can do that too. So, I think that we, <clears throat> no matter what we think of Josh Allen, the NFL is clearly high on him, higher than most of us are here on him. And we're looking at two players who could be the top two picks in the draft. I mean, I mean, it, it, it's they both have a great chance to be top ten picks. I mean, they're going to be in that conversation, in that range for sure, along with Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen. So anytime you get that type of intrigue between two guys, it's great to be able to compare them. And I thought that from Josh Allen, you saw some similar things, the concerns that you saw in Tampa, Wyoming, some decision-making concerns when they went to 11 v. 11, when he was outside the pocket, thrown back across his body to the middle of the field. And I just didn't feel like when you watch Josh Allen that it would, the, the consistency was there. And that's what you get on tape as well. And when everything's perfect and it's one read and you have one route and you're throwing on air, the ball can come out great most of the time. You have all the time. You could set up comfortably. You can get the ball comfortably. There's no concerns there. But... 
when things change from that perspective and you added any type of pressure or coverage, the more you added, the more elements you added for him, whether it was 1v1 with receiver and cornerback, and then on a team scale when they went 11v11, the more difficult it seemed to get for him, the worse his decision-making seemed to be. Yeah, John, and an interesting piece of that is Tony Pauline from Draft Analyst came out yesterday and said the NFL didn't think Josh Allen had a good performance yesterday from the people that he was speaking to. Yeah. Well... I don't know what's a surprise here. You yeah. know, this is exactly <laughs> how it's it always practice that the, did the, it? the more conditions you put him in, it's like, well, oh, he's not taking coaching. Is, is that what it has to take? Is it for you to get there and you tell him to do something mm-hmm. and it doesn't fit? Because it, this is exactly what he's always been. The raw ability is tremendous. Right. But when there's so many working conditions around him, the ability to handle all that information simultaneously and still stay true to what he's supposed to do that's concerning, right. and you know this this week. It, I think it's interesting that already you're hearing some rumblings. Whether would take it for a grain of salt, right? Like you know, is you know, a lot of the stuff that gets out here gets out here for a reason. But it's interesting to me that there's already rumblings that, oh, you know, Josh, he he didn't handle it how we hoped he would right. yesterday. And, and I think Josh Allen still looked like to me yesterday. And I didn't watch, admittedly, a lot of the South team quarterbacks because I was paying attention to, to more defensive line, offensive line stuff. But he still looked like the second-best quarterback here. I didn't think his performance was a business. Oh, no, yeah, I know I'm with you. But, I no, to, to Kyle's point there, if if the NFL thought that he had a bad performance, then that meant the bar for him right. was way higher than right. you know, what it should have been. Right. So I think that, that definitely shed some light on it could be some alters in the process. You know, there, there could be some changes that are coming up to the way that he's commonly perceived around NFL draft circles right now. We'll see. I mean, we've got a long way to go and a couple more days of practice, but he's definitely a guy that you think would have to you know, stand out positively today and, and, and tomorrow probably to, to leave a strong impression on a senior performance and, of course, during the game as well if he ends up playing in that. Uh, other standouts positively to you guys. You know, we, we've talked about the quarterbacks at length, and I know they're driving a lot of the discussion, but the reality is that the vast majority of the quarterbacks' work is done on air in these practices, especially the first one. They have very few throws in team sessions, especially in a four-man rotation. They only get a couple throws in teams you know, per, per practice. So there's a lot of impressions to take away from other players, especially offensive, defensive linemen who are constantly involved in one-on-ones and, and the team things that they're doing something on every single rep. You know, they're, they're always involved. So I think you get the most out of seeing those guys, and they're going full bore, full contact. I think you can observe a lot there. But any other position, really. Joe, any observations that, that really stood out to you in a positive way? Yeah, I was really impressed with Kansas State wide receiver Byron Pringle, who he had a couple of seasons at Kansas State, his last couple there, where he didn't have a lot of production, only 69 catches over the last two years combined. And nice. uh, when you uh, – when you nice. think about that, I mean, you don't get overly excited. You know, not a lot of production in a Power 5 school, but when you saw him run routes yeah. uh, yesterday during practice, the separation, the ability to really sell his breaks, his vertical push was just outstanding. I mean, he's up on his toes, eating up ground, and, and he's going to put a lot of stress on these cornerbacks to flip their hips and remain in phase with him down the field. And he, he torched a couple of cornerbacks yesterday. His stop-start ability is really nice. He really uh, ran a beautiful 10-yard comeback route where he just planted his foot and immediately the the cornerback flew off of him just shook him completely and worked back to the football so uh really excited about the tools that he showed and and his ability to run routes and separate that popped quite a bit and and after practice i wanted to go talk with him i couldn't get a hold of him because every nfl scout was was circling around him so uh anxious to see how he continues to go this week ledyard this one's for you bubba (laughs) taking a long chug there (sighs) 
let's sip some tea here on Virginia defensive lineman Andrew Brown. Uh, he wasn't that good. Oh, he had a nice day yesterday. <laughs> Andrew Brown oh, checked in 294. That was a good weigh-in for him. Very good weigh-in. He, yeah. he carried that weight extremely yeah. well. Over 35-inch arms. Some people are going to say, oh, great. That's great length to two-gap. Guess what? Andrew Brown doesn't want to play no two-gap. Right. Nope. right? You know, we actually overheard him here in the, in the lobby talking to somebody about how good it felt to be in an even front so that he can get penetration. Mm-hmm. Now, there were some ebbs and flows as far as that first contact at the point of attack, but I thought yesterday Brown really showed that athletic versatility that stood out on tape on the rare instances that Virginia let him off the chain and let him go get it. So now for Brown, it's okay. Be a little bit better with your balance at first contact. Be prepared to take that lateral contact and not get knocked off route so that you can get washed out of place. But use that first step that we saw yesterday at 294. Really, really good. And he had some nice reps extending with his hands too as a second effort to kind of press and reestablish once he got his hands fit. So it wasn't a perfect day for Andrew Brown, but I thought he showed very well yesterday. Brown's a guy I didn't know a lot about before going in, just um, from reading and hearing you guys mentioned him before. But, you know, even on the bag drills, the very first thing he did, violent hands. And so, like, that pops out immediately. So I thought he had a good day. Nathan Shepard's another guy who I know kind of everybody here thinks that he had a great day. So I'll just kind of state the obvious there. He's a guy <laughs> from Fort Hayes State. Um, I'm, you know, I'm going to be honest with the listeners here. Not a. I don't watch a lot of Fort Hayes State football. Are you I mean, I know, man, I know. I'm too busy watching Jim McElwain tank my favorite program into the ground. So, um, you know, I'm a little preoccupied. You mean shark hugger, Jim? Yeah, no, oh, okay. yeah, no. Uh, hugger is a word for it. Um, so, but I mean. Nathan Shepard, man, yesterday looked on, like almost unblockable for it was you know he he even went he went up against uh, Cole from Michigan yep. who a lot of people like he even went up against Something Will Hernandez who was another guy who I, right. I really liked on the interior as a guard yesterday and it was almost like when he had those first couple of reps the offensive lineman just didn't know what to do against him for like three or four of those first reps. And then, you know, like he kind of, when they got into 11-on-11s, he was contained a little bit because the offensive line could focus on him. But still even, he had plays He had plays there. So he's a guy who we talked about yesterday in the weigh-ins. He's 6'3", uh, 3'10", I believe, and carries it really well for a guy that size. And so we already said that he was a weigh-in winner, if you will, and we talked about yesterday the, the phrase is, is taking that and translating it to the field, what it's like in practice, and my goodness, um, Shepard did that yesterday. So he's like all, all eyes are certainly going to be on him for these next two days to see if that first day was a fluke or not or if he really is this monster player that uh, a lot of people were overlooking before the Senior Bowl. Shepard was very impressive to me on tape before I watched him. I did watch a little four-day state, I will admit. Um, but it was Nerd. <laughs> it was very interesting to watch him use more detailed hand usage in practices than what I saw. There was a lot of frenetic pace to his games at Fort A State. He was constantly attacking. He's clearly a good athlete. Some, To be honest, his frame looked terrific at Fort A State, and it looked just as terrific here. It was more of can he detail the work that he does? Can he make? Can he have an exact pass rush plan? It seemed like energy without a purpose sometimes. That was not the case yesterday. No, man. He, he, yeah. I mean, he pushed, pulls, swims. Right. He saw everything, snatch moves, rips. I mean, he was 
I mean, just, Hernandez was having a good day, and I think yeah. I think you had tweeted out the clip of him. He just like rips it's right by Kyle. Him. Yeah, I think or, it, or you yeah. or Kyle or somebody. You guys were watching the All Twenty Two yesterday, and he just engages him and rip gone pocket right. sack. And it was like that against ever. I mean, he pushed forward Mason Cole to his knees in team yeah, rap. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was just unbelievable the dominance. I mean, it, it was it was scary, and I, and the way he comes off the ball with that low pad level and doesn't expose his chest. This kid's going to be one of the biggest risers of the week. We kind of pegged him as a sleeper guy to watch anyway. You know, in my article for NDT scouting with the defensive lineman, I pegged him as kind of the sleeper to watch that could rise up uh, this week. So yeah, I mean, I, I think he's having that kind of a week. But Kylie Fitz from Utah is another guy that stood out to me. He's not getting a lot of love in NFL draft circles right now, but when I watched his tape. Very explosive kid, extremely violent, great with his hands, and has good pass rush variety. You saw that right away. He went with a, a, a club rip move for one of his pressures on a 1v1. He also hit speed up the arc and then an inside spin counter that was beautifully timed. He has a lot of variety. He doesn't have a lot of bend or flexibility, but he's, he's explosive enough that I don't think it's a huge concern. And... I love his hand usage and the fact that he can win inside or outside. He reminds me stylistically of Marcus Golden in the way that he wins, where I don't think he'll be a great athlete, but I think he has all the tools to be an outlier in that athletic area as a pass rusher. So I'm a big fan of Kylie Fitz and when he's done. You guys mentioned some great names. There were a couple offensive linemen, Austin Corbett, Colby Gassett, Alex Kappa. Alex Kappa did pretty good, right? I mean, we watched a little bit of him, and he was owning Marcus Davenport. He yep. kicked Dav- Marcus Davenport's tail all over the field. I think that Davenport was... won one rep, and Kappa won like it, combined with team and individual. Kappa won like seven or eight reps. Yeah, I didn't. See, yeah, no, I, I I didn't see that many, but I mean, I saw he put him on the least, ground at one at point. least four. You know, at yeah. least four where it was just like Davenport. He talked about earlier in the in the press conferences what he wanted to kind of prove and uh, here at Mobile, and he talked about getting off blocks and doing other things to pass pressure. Like, hey man, if they project you as a three as a four three defensive end, you can't get blown off the ball right. like that. Yeah. You just can't because if not, then you're going to be nothing more than a third down pass rusher, and that's certainly not a first round pick. Right. That's much more of a, a later in the draft kind of a pick. So he's got to be a, a lot more stout in the run game because Alex Kappa. Gave him all I could handle yesterday. I know MJ Stewart stood out to you too, right, Joe? Yeah, I liked uh, MJ Stewart quite a bit. He is extremely sticky in coverage, and his ability to remain in phase and pattern match was really apparent yesterday. He owned DJ Chark, the LSU wide receiver, so uh, was really pleased with what he did and his confidence attacking the football uh, in the air, both playing forward on it and playing through the receiver's hands, but he also had some nice reps where he tracked it over his shoulder, remained in phase and connected to his man and still played the ball. So uh, he's a guy that I know people love around the North Carolina program, and and I think we saw why uh, yesterday uh, with his dominance, really, throughout the entire practice. Uh, real quick hot take. I, I thought Kamoko Ture had a better day than Marcus Davenport yesterday. Yes, and agreed. Athletically, completely fairly similar you know as uh, Davenport 6'5 and 7'8 and, and 259 uh, Teray was 6'5 on the dot and 252 so athletically their builds are very similar right. John you and I were in watching at the XOS film room uh, the, the one-on-ones for that group and for Teray some of the the subtleties with his hands you know that he had an inside spin move that, mm-hmm. that he was very deliberate with his placement of his hands and that's the kind of stuff that if you refer back to the Texas San Antonio tape, you didn't really see a lot of that from Marcus Davenport. So even if we're just talking from a pass rushing perspective, I thought Teray had a, a very nice day, much better than what we got from, from Davenport. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. 
Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits. So you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. I think the one of the craziest reps was Teray somehow staying on his feet on that one rep oh, we yes. saw on All-22. Yes. There was like a guy like hanging on his body, like a 300-some-pound lineman. And he like bent. He bent inside. It was an inside move. Yes. He bent inside. Was it a spin? Or he, it was a, the recovery on the spin move. It was yep. unbelievable. He kept his feet and never fell down. I mean, it, just to get back inside to get a pressure on the quarterback to you know to wreak havoc in there. I mean, he has he has some really interesting athletic traits. Yeah. And there's a lot of talk. Rutgers misused him for years. He didn't even barely even play it. He had a really good freshman year that barely played a couple years after that. Uh, I think he had some minor injuries. Two shoulder surgeries yeah. in back to back seasons right. kind of robbed him of all but like two or three games each year. Right. So. So, and there was talk he was in the doghouse there. So, I mean, there was a lot to his evaluation maybe, but he could definitely be one of the biggest risers from the pass rush group this week. Um, Fred Warner's another player that stood out, a BYU linebacker. Not so much for his ability to play the run in the box, but he was he's the type of linebacker that could fit on a team that needs a coverage option there, that likes to play dime and play with five, or play with five or six DBs on the field, you know, that likes to – You think the Packers, for example, how they like to use a lot of DBs on the field, and the Saints are another team that likes to play that way. I could see him being for a team that's willing to go a little in between that role. I mean, he he weighed in what like two thirty five, I think he was six three and a half. Yep. So he's got some size if you're going to play him as like a safety. But he played all over. He mostly was a slot like overhang defender, similar role to Jabril Peppers. Honestly, when he was at BYU, he didn't hardly ever rush the passer, but he lined up kind of off like on the edge a little bit or or over the slot if there was one, and so. He has great range, great coverage ability, great fluidity in the open field. I just don't know that he's physical enough to play in the box as a full-time linebacker. That's the big thing we got to figure out with him this week. But there were a lot of standouts from yesterday's practice. It was a good first day of practice in terms of the pace and the energy on the yeah, field. Very combat- combative. Yeah. And they jumped right. South team jumped right in. Right. One-on-ones within 15 minutes. It was great. Yeah. It was, it was good to get, be able to get some evaluations. With that comes some bad reviews. And it's an only one day of practice. We're not throwing the baby out of the bathwater with these takes or anything like that. I think these players still have the opportunity, obviously, to rebound, and there's stuff on tape, and that stuff matters more. But based on one day of practice, Joe, some observations from players that you thought struggled. Yeah, the big one for me is Akroom Wadley, the Iowa running back, who is a little bit of a one-trick pony right now. Uh, he doesn't pass, protect, and, and he doesn't have a lot of power elements to game. He's a complete finesse runner, and uh, – I thought he really needed to prove this week his complete skill set, and he hasn't done that so far. Obviously, the concerns in pass protection continue. He struggled throughout the practice on that, but it was the concerns that I have uh, from watching the the All-22 on his route running that were very concerning. There were several reps where he was just isolated on a linebacker and needed to run a simple arrow route or an outbreaking pattern, and his, the way he throttles down and gets into his breaks is completely unorthodox. It's almost like he jumps into it, 
And that's just not going to work at the next level. A linebacker is going to knock you off your feet, and you're not going to get into your route. And he, he did that at least three different times where he ran up to the linebacker about two yards shy, jumped into it to throttle down and sink his hips and turn. And, and the balance, the fluidity, the turn, the, the change of directions was very poor. And so when you think about a guy that really doesn't have any power traits, he can't pass protect, and now I have concerns with him as a route runner. You know, I'm not seeing a lot of, uh, of appeal right now from McCroon Wiley. He needs a big couple of days to bounce back. Yeah, and he came in small, too. Yeah. He weighed 188. Yeah, small. You no, know, he is a lot smaller than what we were expecting from him. Uh, one for me was LSU wide receiver DJ Chark. Uh, we mentioned MJ Stewart having a nice day. Uh, Chark was kind of the victim here. Uh, Stewart pretty much beat him up and stole his lunch money the first five reps they had against each other. He was probably getting tired of seeing Stewart across the line of scrimmage yeah. from where he just – Stewart manhandling him at the top of routes – he really didn't show the athletic ability to kind of challenge him vertically and force him to honor the fact that he could get over top of him. And for Stewart, you know, Stewart is by and large widely considered a nickel. So a guy that doesn't have that turn and run speed to be able to, to stack that, for Chark to not be able to challenge that is a red flag for me. Uh, I know Travin Durrell last year, another LSU wide receiver, came in it and kind of had the same showing where you're, you're just really underwhelmed when you finally get him out there in, in one-on-ones and you can kind of pick apart his route running habits and uh, hoping to see better from Chark because if he has two more performances like this, it's, it's really going to hurt him in the, the overall assessment when you go back and rewatch his tape. All right, you talked about this a little bit, but um, I'm going to touch again on, uh, on Marcus Davenport because I was hoping to see a little bit mm-hmm. of a better showing from him. And uh, definitely it's very relevant to Buccaneers fans, uh, the kind of audience that, that, that I normally write to. Because um, Daniel Jeremiah had him in his recent mock. He had Davenport going number seven overall to the Buccaneers. And we know that this is a draft class where really after Bradley Chubb, you're kind of starving to get some kind of solidified pass rush. But the problem with Davenport yesterday is, like like we referenced earlier, he's getting bodied on run yeah. on rundowns. And if you can't... You know, a lot of people have said, like, okay, well, he plays a lot of stand-up linebacker in his tape, but they're playing a multiple defense. He's really going to be more of a three or a 4-3 defensive end. It's like, okay, I can buy that, but I can't buy it if he's getting pushed off the ball like that. Right. And I, I, when I watch his tape, I think that he does great with momentum. Like, when he's able to get a good jump off the snap, when he's able to kind of go in a straight line, that he's got violent hands, I think he can really get his arms out, still be violent with his hands, knock offensive linemen back, I think he can move people. But when he doesn't have that movement, I see him get pushed back by tight ends, offensive linemen, running backs, doesn't matter. It's almost like, you know, he really isn't that naturally heavy or naturally strong where he can't anchor really quick. You know, it's like he gets blown back. You know, when when Kappa was going up against him, if Kappa beat him on a a play, it wasn't, oh, he's one, two yards back. Like, he's three, four yards back. Like, he's getting blown off. And so that's something where... He's just got to – you can't you can't be a first-round 4-3 defensive end if you're getting blown up like that. Right. Because as Bucks fans see now, you know, with Noah Spence, they used him situationally. Like, Noah Spence really almost only plays the beginning of the games at least. You know, he only plays on third downs just to rush the passer. And that's okay, but you're not about to draft the guy number seven overall who's going to be a rotation right. defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. So um, definitely got to see more from, from, from Marcus Davenport. And there's issues with pad level with Marcus Davenport. Sure, and being that big, show, it's, yeah. you know, right. it's kind of a natural thing. You've got to really be a technician yeah. when you're that big and to you use your leverage flexibility correctly. in right. the lower half sure. and be able to bend it. You know, and where I worry about Marcus Davenport is just right off the line of scrimmage. He, he, used, he played in a two-point stance, like you said, most of the time on, right. on his tape at yeah. UTSA. And 
now yesterday working from a three-point stance. Popped right up. Yeah. Yep. Gilliman yep. got their hands on him. They drove him off the ball. He didn't know how to make first contact and win with leverage at the point of attack. Yeah. As a pass rusher, I don't know that it's going to be a lot of, much different. I mean, he false stepped out of his stance as a pass rusher all the time. And I thought that's going to be a concern carrying over because if you can't get off the ball quickly and challenge the edge and you're ha- having a high pad level when you go in and engage, right. you know, you're, you're not yeah. really setting yourself up for success as a pass rusher. If you're, you're a 3-4 team and you're looking at this dude in, like, you know, late second round, yeah. early third round, we're talking about something sure. different. We're talking you about a guy we could like, right. but number seven overall. And, and first round, uh, yeah. It's you know, just, just it ain't there. The, the hype we is, didn't I see think, it yesterday, yeah. certainly. A, a decent prospect for sure, but the hype is... I mean, I've definitely been overinflated somewhat. Uh, Mike Gusecki to me, man, I mean, he's he's got great size and he's got great hands. So I'll like point that out. I mean, he did some awesome things in the air at Penn State. Like he won some contested catch situations that were terrific. But how much of that can he do at the NFL level? Because he can't block worth a lick. He's the worst blocker here among the tight end group. And then to top it off, he, he doesn't really separate at any levels of the field. I mean, Trayvon Henderson locked him down, and Trayvon Henderson had a good day, but he locked him down in a couple routes. Armani Watts locked him down deep. He couldn't separate vertically. He couldn't separate on outbreaking or in-breaking routes. He just throttles. He's such a high-cut guy. He has a hard time sinking his hips, exploding out of a break, changing directions. That's all very difficult for Gusecki. Now, he's great in the air, and maybe that's awesome as a number two tight end, but if we're talking about Gusecki as a top 60, top 75 pick, uh, I want no. a little bit yeah, more out there. of the guy. You know, I know we've kind of made fun, Trevor, of his, of his dad run for, for a while now. <laughs> dad run, dad bod. <laughs> but that, he just doesn't have any kind of acceleration. As he what if he's going. got, like, the most dad humor, too? That'll just be the icing on the that cake. Actually, we yes. got to talk. We, I, I wish you would have I wish I thought of that for me. To, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll combine. ask him at the combine. Yeah. I'm yeah. always into asking weird questions, so I'll ask him to, like, right. say his best joke at the podium or the table. And if it's just a pure dad joke, yep. I'm going to be like, all right, dropping him down. That's all board. I need to know about you. Yep, <laughs> round five. Wyatt Teller was another guy, a couple offensive linemen. Wyatt Teller, who, Joe, I know you liked, and Kyle, I think you like as well. Uh, not the best day for him in pass protection. Sean Welsh, I've been impressed with him in the run game for Iowa. Not the best day for him in pass protection either. Maybe an area of weakness for both those guys, and we already know guys like Brian O'Neill and Brandon Parker who are developmental-type tackles with great tools. They're going to struggle some, too, and all those guys seem to struggle across the board. And the key word for, for both the tackles you just mentioned is developmental. And I, I think this week is really going to be enlightening for some of the more casual draft fans out there because Brian O'Neill's a name that's been tossed around as potential first-round target. Yeah. And you know we're, we're sitting there watching his pass sets. And, Did he and win a run hands today, are, yesterday? I didn't see one. I didn't. And we, we watched the entire individual and – individual one-on-one pass rush and he reps. lost badly when he lost yes. it wasn't it, it was, was uh, he's he's kissing his knees like heads down he's yep. gotten thrown off his set um so so there's some work to do there but he is very athletic mm-hmm. he looks the part he's got the size needed so okay now let's let's see how he takes coaching throughout the course of the week that's something we we look at one-on-ones for pass rush today i want to see what did you adjust what input did coaches give you that you make and kind of shorten up your base a little bit and not be so quick to hinge and pivot because he was very quick to turn his hips. And all that does is reduce the angle for a pass rusher to go around you on the outside. Alan Lazard was rough too. Yes. A couple drops for him. He just looks so slow. I think he's going to run on the 4.8s. I mean, not, not Duranya Wilson territory, but close. I, yeah, I think it's going to be rough for him. Jamon Moore had some disappointing drops. So there were a couple guys that stood out. Last thing before we wrap up, fellas, what – 
from, from guys that maybe had a mixed result or you saw some good and some bad maybe and you just want to see more like they were a guy or a guy you were just really looking forward to seeing and it could be somebody we've already named but a guy you're really looking forward to watching and seeing this week and thinking that they could stand out and yesterday they didn't really stand out maybe they stood out negatively or maybe they just it was it was inconsistent or you know they didn't stand out at all to you and you're going to be watching for them today who would be a guy maybe joe that fits that criteria for you yeah, it's the guy you mentioned earlier, John Wyatt Teller, the guard from Virginia mm-hmm. Tech. A guy I liked a ton coming into the uh, into the week, and he um, he had some struggles yesterday, particularly in one on ones. And uh, one thing that I thought he did show was the ability to recover. Well, the problem was that he was constantly recovering, right. so uh, <laughs> he was really sloppy with his hands, getting wide with them. He was he was bending a little bit funny that I haven't seen on tape before. Maybe just because of the extra space he had to deal with in, in the one on ones that are you know really outside of the structure of a normal offensive play, but. Um, uh, need to see more consistency with him getting his getting pass rushers framed up and getting his hands on him with good inside placement and, and sinking his hips. So uh, I think he's – what we saw yesterday was very much contrary to what we've seen on tape and looking forward to seeing him get that corrected. And if not, well, then maybe we got to go back to the tape. Uh, for me, I, I was really interested in seeing Jalen Holmes from Ohio State defensive yeah. lineman who checked in at 280, mm-hmm. which is about – 15 pounds heavier than was I was expecting to see him because he carries that weight extremely well. He's got good length. He flashed a bit, but he just didn't finish reps. And this was not a player that had the opportunity to get a lot of reps at Ohio State just because of the depth of that defensive line. So Jalen Holmes, for me, he's a toolsy guy. He's a developmental guy. Make no mistake. I don't think this is you know a day, day two target necessarily, but a guy with some upside that's got things you can't teach, and he's really smooth for 280. Really big fan of the way that he moves. Now I want to see him start to put it together and have some winning reps when it comes down to just putting the whole package together for him. Guy I'm looking forward to the most is uh, Duke Dawson, guy that we didn't get to see yesterday. Yeah. He was out from uh, – Yeah, boy. Il- yeah, he had an illness. He wasn't able to practice. I don't think he, did, he was there for the weigh-ins either. And so not a solidified cornerback group. And Duke mm-hmm. Dawson's a guy who – I really like. Uh, I am more convinced that he is a nickel corner than other people, but I know a lot of people want to see him play outside, see if he can, you know, you brought this up, John, earlier in the week or earlier in one of our podcasts. You're looking to see how he does on longer routes down the sidelines, um, how he can keep up with, with faster wide receivers. That'll see. That'll show us if he has a potential to play as an outside cornerback. I don't really think so. I think he could just be a great nickel corner, but... Again, I'm just really interested to see him in a different environment here at the Senior Bowl. Um, hopefully, whatever it was that was bugging him, whether it was the flu or whatever, it, it's not too bad, and he's able to kind of have full energy for this next practice. I think Obania Okoronko is one guy that I saw. There were some good from him in team drills. You know, I thought that there was some reps where he looked like he had the bend that we really need to see from him and that he had the explosiveness. And then there were reps where he was laking off the ball and went to his inside move too early and didn't really set it up well. And so I think he's still feeling out the process and timing of being a pass rusher. A lot of time he was playing run first at Oklahoma, you know, and he in pass rushing second. And so he didn't get to explode off the ball and use speed counter moves and do things like that. So He's very much still a work in progress, uh, more so than I maybe thought coming in. But I, I still think with a strong you know, last two days of practice, he can stand out here. Uh, I didn't think he was terrible yesterday. I just didn't think he was as good as 
he could potentially be from what I've seen on tape. And the other guy, Jalen Samuels, you know, he's trying to make this transition to running back. Yesterday I saw him, he was falling down a lot and didn't really seem like he had clear vision before he hit the hole and seemed like Because he's were, not a running back. Yeah, I don't know what he is. I mean, he's like a third. <laughs> he's, he's a move got, piece. He's got to be a third down back, right? Like, he's not a tight end. He's, he's, he's going to play in the slot a lot, but he's got to be a great route runner. So he's just got so much to prove. Like, prove you have a, you have a position that you can succeed in in the NFL. That's what Hassan Reddick came in here, and he did that last year. You know, a lot of teams didn't think right. he was an edge. Prove you can play another position. Prove you can play another role, whatever it might be. And he did that. He did that at a high level all week. You know, he, he competed at that level. And I didn't. I thought Jalen Samuels was a little underwhelming yesterday. Uh, I want to see if he can bounce back and prove that. You know, th- there's some people saying that he's could sign to the first round. There's a lot more people mm-hmm. saying he's a day three pick. So it just seems like people are all over the place with him. I can't see first round buzz whatsoever. I have no <laughs> idea how that conclusion is being reached by anyone. But still he can be a situational football player for you that's effective in a certain role i think i don't think it's unfair to say that but he's got to prove that he you can don't really pick situational football players in the first round right exactly and you don't really try and pick them in the second round either you're trying to pick guys who can start and be studs for your team for a long time and i know this isn't the best draft class but i think that uh, you can certainly improve on things like that uh, with your selection so he's got a lot to prove this week i think um and uh, we named a, a good number of players even outside of Baker Mayfield and Josh right. Allen. I know all the hype is around them, but I feel like it's important to remember there are other players here competing. There are? Competing at a high level, you know. This <laughs> isn't just the, the, the QB know. camp? Yeah. That's why you come to NDT Scouting, FanRack Sports, PeterReport.com, because we're going to give you takes on players outside of the big-name headline guys. We'll talk about them. We have takes on them. We also have takes on Fort Hayes State and other schools like that. You mean top 30 Prospect, oh, oh, oh. Nathan Shever. Oh. <laughs> Have you even watched his tape? You got <laughs> no. And I'll be honest, I, I I did not get my hands on his tape before here. Yeah. But the weigh in, the practice, I have a very high bar now, and I'm hoping he meets that because if he does, giddy up, man. Yeah, he he looked like a kid with all the tools to be yes. a stud, regardless of what school he comes from. So it'll be interesting to see. If you haven't, check out dra- and subscribe to the Draft Dudes podcast, Kyle and Joe. Year-round talk NFL draft, and it's terrific stuff. Can't recommend it enough. As well as their work at ndtscouting.com, fanragsports.com, along with myself, obviously, working for both those outlets as well. Really feel like we've put together some elite Senior Bowl coverage. If you're looking for preview pieces or breakdown pieces midweek and post-Senior Bowl uh, coverage, we're going to have that for you as well. We've put out like a ridiculous amount of content. We have podcasts. Four, 40 pieces of yeah, content I mean, right now and it's the start of day two of practice right. and if you're a bucks fan or even if you're just more interested in nfl draft coverage you got to check out PeterReport.com. they do a lot of these team sites out there are doing terrific job of covering the nfl draft as a whole as it pertains to just the prospects in general outside of just specific bucks prospects and so i think that they do that at an extremely high level so make sure you're checking that out checking trevor stuff out as well and obviously check out locked on nfl draft um and, and subscribe to the podcast because uh you know trevor and i we have we have a little bit of fun five days a week talking nfl draft year round so as always thank you guys so much for listening keep it locked on draft dudes and locked on nfl draft until next time Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. 
Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.